you know, if the worship band needs uh, needs help, I've I've got a old whiskey jug at home, and I know I could get Jim to play the washboard, and Baker could teach you how to do the the, the wash tub thing, and the you guys aren't up for that, obviously. I can tell, so. I, <laughs> Uh, I think I'm on today, so we'll, uh, you know, when I was young, one of the fun things that we used to do was we'd go down to the Upper Valley Mall down here, and they used to have this uh, fountain in the middle of the mall. You could go in there and throw pennies in it and nickels, whatever, quarters if you were rich or whatever, and I can remember lots of times as a little kid, that was sort of the highlight of the trip to the mall. We'd have to go, to go to Sears and then Pennies or something stupid for back-to-school clothes. And, you know, all we wanted to do was get an orange Julius down at the thing and then run down and throw money in the fountain. You know, it was always fun. And Grandma always told me, you know, oh, you make a wish, throw a penny in there. You know, we'd make a wish and, and the whole thing. And, and that was always so much fun. And I was really bummed out. You know, when they pulled that out of there, I always thought that was a neat thing. And so when I go around and we see, you know, little places where there's, uh, you know, uh, fountains where you can throw money in. I mean, I'm always, if I see it, man, I'm going to throw a penny in there or something just because it, it takes me back to when I was a kid. And that was always so much fun throwing pennies in the fountain down at the mall. And, you know, I've often thought about how in the Christian life many times, we spend a lot of time throwing pennies into the well, throwing pennies into the into the fountain, you know, hoping and wishing that you know things would happen in our Christian life. That you know, as life goes on, you know, uh, we don't quite know how to handle things, so we take you know take a quarter or whatever and just kind of quarter in the well. There you go, scramble for it. It's all yours. Anyways. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 19. I want to look at a story of a man who uh, in many ways was kind of wishing himself into eternity, wishing himself into eternal life, not really knowing exactly what it is that he had to do, but, but Jesus was there. Jesus was on the scene, and this is a man who understood that, man, there is something special about, about this man. And he's not just a, a, any old man. He's a he's a uh, he's a good teacher. He he's someone who is extra special. There's something about him that that's amazing. And so, if you turn to chapter 19, starting at verse 16, it happens to to be that this man was very rich. He was a rich young ruler. Now, I don't know what he ruled over. Uh, but obviously, he had some money, and he had some responsibility, and he had things that he had to do. And in verse 16, I'll, I'll be reading here through 26, so if you have your Bibles, you can follow with me. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Hopefully all of us, at one time or another, have asked that question. Of Jesus. Not, not just, you know, i got to go to church. And so, but no. Lord Jesus, what do I have to do to receive eternal life? That's a question all of us have to wrestle with. 
And Jesus said, or he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good, talking about God the Father. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And I'm sure the ears of the, uh, the, the, the young rich man perked up and said, hey, verse 18. Then he said, which ones? I mean, there's a whole list of them. <laughs> you got, got a ton of them in there. Verse 18, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, Good, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. But the young man heard this statement and he went away grieving. For he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to the disciples, you know, truly I say to you, it's, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, well, who then can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said, with people this is impossible, but but with God, all things are possible. Now to me, this young ruler reminds me of someone who, uh, you know, it's like throwing pennies into the fountain, making a wish. You know, Dear Lord, what do I got to do to be saved? Jesus, you know, is trying to make a point to him that, you know... There's nothing you can do. I mean, it's something I will do for you. It's, it's about faith. But he doesn't come right out and say that. It's not like a wish where, you know, I wish I was saved. I mean, it doesn't work like that. One of the things, you've heard me mention this before, that, uh, that I've been thinking about a lot and, and working on in my own life is this. Uh, it's from a leadership group, the focus group. And uh, there's a slogan that's been pounded into the minds of Graham teachers, and, and I find now a lot of other schools in the area. And it's a little formula that I've put up on the thing before. E plus R equals O. An event, something happens, plus the way you respond to it equals the outcome. Okay? E plus R equals Oh, well, the outcome that the young ruler wants is he wants eternal life. What do I have to do to get this outcome? And Jesus said, well, there's events, and then your response to that, that equals eternal life. But obviously, the rich young ruler, he's got some problems with the, uh, what we call the R factor, the response that he should make. Jesus suggesting you need to give up everything you have, sell it all, give it to the poor, then you'll have eternal life. The man's thinking, I, I don't know about that. See, in, in that day, wealth was often, a, uh, it was believed that you know, wealthy people obviously had God's favor. And this, this young ruler is probably thinking, I've been blessed. 
Look at the job I got, the responsibility, all the money I've made. God has obviously blessed me. He's happy with what I've done. And now you're telling me to get rid of all that? Maybe you're not as good a teacher as I thought you were. I don't, I don't know about that. And it's interesting, you know, in, in, when Jesus uh, talked about sin, he often said, look, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. We live in a sinful world. We see things. Things happen all the time. That doesn't necessarily make me a sinner. If I'm driving uh, down the road and I look up on a bulletin, or a bulletin board, you tell them back to school, uh, uh, one of those things off the side of the road, what do you call them? Bill, yeah, there you go. You see one of those, and there's some hot chick on there selling beer or something. If I notice that and look at it, and for a moment I'm like, wow, have I sinned? I don't think so. But if something, if I looked at that and started thinking things, and man, I could stop off for a six-pack, you know, uh, or whatever, and it's what comes out of me. It's, it's what I do that, in a lot of ways that makes me unclean. For from within, out of man's hearts come evil thoughts. As in the book of Mark it says, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. What a list. You don't want to be in that list. Every outward act of sin is preceded by some inward act of choice. Therefore, Jesus addresses the root cause of man's worst problem, which is sin. And sin is simply, you know, missing the mark of God's holiness in our character, our thinking, in our actions. A good friend of mine, we battled back and forth for years over this idea of sin, and, and, and the Bible actually suggests in Romans and in other places, we're born into it. Kind of like the walking dead, we're all infected. We're, we're born and we all, have the, the, uh, we all have sin. You could live a good life and be a super nice person, and, but you're still a sinner because you're born into it. It's like a disease. We all need a Savior. Sin's like a thief. It seeks to kill, to... To, to steal and, and to, to destroy. It's interesting. Uh, in 2 Peter, uh, Peter says this, Of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. Oh, what a horrible thought. When I was a kid, our dog would do that. and be like, oh, that's disgusting. How horrible. He just wrapped it up and he's over there. Oh. Well, Peter used that very vividly. I mean, that's people in sin. They go back to it again and again. A dog returns to its vomit. A sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. Sin's like a cancer as it destroys from the, the inside out, from within. James chapter 4 talks about this sinful nature. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Sinful nature, you want something, you don't get it, so you fight and quarrel. 
You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. It's like a little kid who can't have what they want. I used to, when we were little, or when the kids were little, we'd go shopping, and thank God I had a, you know, a wife like Neola who, she didn't put up with any of that nonsense. We go into the stores, and the kids, I want it, my wife. You ain't getting it. You can cry all you want to. You, you can lay on the floor and, and pound it and scream and, we're not, I'm, I'm shopping, man. People can look if they want. You're, you get what you get. And it got to the point they wouldn't, wouldn't do that anymore. But you still see kids today, they'll throw a fit. Oh, here, here, take, get people buying stuff, just keep them quiet. And All of us, in a lot of ways, are like spoiled little kids. And the consequences of sin that comes out of that old nature includes just a, a, an unbelievable amount of carnage and destruction. Remember, uh, the devil is here to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what sin does in our lives. In 1 John, it talks about how the first thing you lose when we actively go back and we, like the pig, we wallow in the mud. Or we're like the dog who returns to its own Vomit, you know you shouldn't be doing this, but uh, there you are. You found yourself in that situation. 1 John chapter 3 talks about he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. You set yourself up to be in league with him. The first thing we lose is a loss of peace. When you live a life that's aligned with Christ, there is a life of peace of happiness, of steadfastness, of freedom from guilt. But many times Christians who struggle with sin, who fall back into sin, one of the first things to go is, is peace. And we don't feel the peace of God, which, which guards our hearts. There's a loss of love and, and identity with God. 1 John also says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust, excuse me, uh, yeah, the boastful pride of life, uh, that's not from the Father, that's from, from the world. People who actively sin, people who are Christians, who have turned their back on, on God and don't really believe in the idea that, you know, it's, it's your faith that, that saves you. People who sin, there's a loss of fellowship with Christians. Many times, you know, I've learned just in the last year and a half now as your pastor, I see people who are here, who are not here, and I talk to people, uh, and I can tell sometimes when people are dealing with with things, some things that are sinful because they, they, they stop coming to church, they don't want to be at church, they don't want to be around other Christians, they don't want anything to do with it. There's a loss of fellowship because there's an acknowledgement within of the, the purity that, that Christ can bring. There's a loss of confidence and answers to our prayers. I was, one of my uncles was a preacher 
And he often talked about how he would ask his church to pray for him. But before he would ever ask that, he would ask people to stop and uh, let's get right with God first. Let's pray to him. Let, let's thank God. Let's, uh, let's confess our sins to him. Because I don't want anything hindering these prayers. There are many people who live an active life of sin who continue to pray and wonder why their prayers are never answered. Those prayers are hindered. You're hindering them. And so we have to get right with God again. And frankly, you know, as I was doing my study on this, you know, how sin kind of affects people, I, I found a list, I mean, 26, 28 points long. I don't know why I'm going to go through all of them. You get the idea. Sin separates us from God. It separates us from the love and the security that we have in faith through Christ. There's a loss of joy. There's guilt. Paul called it spiritual blindness and corruption. In the book of Acts, it dulls our understanding. There are some vivid examples of that. It can destroy your speech, your interpersonal relationships. And on and on and on it goes. There comes a point in your life you have to actively make a decision. I'm going to deal with sin in my life. All of my life I've prayed to God over certain things. And I've always hoped and wished that somehow magically those things would go away. But I still struggle with pride. Pride is a horrible sin that I struggle with. I tend to feel that I'm somebody I'm not. I get jealous of other people when they're successful and I'm not. That is a sin. That, that's pride. And I've asked God, help me to deal with that. I hear stories of people who are like alcoholics who suddenly just, they got right with God and there it was gone. I had never took another drink. Never wanted another drink. I'm like, how lucky are you? He's never done me the favor. I pray and pray and pray about this, but I'm very prideful. I often talk you know, to kids and to parents and other teachers and coaches. Oh, we don't have an ego. We're, we're not too... Man, I have a huge ego. It's like a friend told me one time, he said, John, you are perfectly balanced. You have a chip on both shoulders. I'm like, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But it is true. It's a, it's, a, it's a struggle. And I ask God to help me, but yet I find myself again and again and again. Instead of actively choosing the response that I know that God would want me to make, I make the wrong response to things. Oh, there's... Whatever. And I find myself gaining the outcome that God never intended and one I surely don't want because of my sinfulness. You know, to overcome the sinful nature, you have to be led by the Spirit and not the flesh. For the last month or so, I've been preaching about the idea of the Holy Spirit and really using God's power to help you to, to make good choices. Uh, those of you who have faith in Christ, who have answered that question, you know, what must I do to be saved? Those of you who have reached out in faith, understanding there's nothing you can do. We're all sinners. 
It's only through the love and the grace of Jesus Christ that any of us are saved. That's something that the, the rich young ruler didn't understand. Jesus was asking him, the idea is faith. Live a life of faith. Now yes, this was before Christ's crucifixion. This was before the resurrection. But still, God's standard of what, is, what do I got to do to be saved? Live a life of faith. Galatians chapter 5 says, Walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the flesh against the Spirit. So you cannot do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're not under the old way of doing things. We should exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, you know, and the whole thing that we've talked about. Gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. God wants to give that to us in, in abundance. Last week I talked about how, you know, trying to find meaning and purpose and things in what we do. And I was reading in the Bible and I came across this verse again. Um, it just slipped my mind. So much for my Bible study this week. Woo. Oh, Christ came to give us life that we might have it in abundance. Not just a little bit. In abundance. And he's not talking about life in the kingdom. He's talking about right here and now. So I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. I want to give you this. Why won't you receive it? It's through the Holy Spirit that we... Tap into the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness of God that we sang about in our song this morning. The kindness that he exhibits towards us. You know, we have to be careful and watch out against the things that choke out the life of the Spirit. The worries, the deceitfulness of riches, the, the, the pleasures of this life, as, as Jesus speaks in Mark Chapter 4. Remember the rich man. Let's go back to our story here. Go back to verse 17, if you would, with me. It's interesting that the, the rich young ruler is asking Jesus, what do I got to do to be to obtain a, eternal life? Well, Jesus starts off by talking about the commandments. And these first few commandments are um, sort of interpersonal, with the exception of adultery. You shall not commit murder. Uh, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie about other people. Well, the rich man's thinking, hey, I've done all that. But the thing is, that's not the gospel. Not committing murder. Not committing adultery. Not stealing not lying about other people. That's not the gospel. Those are good things to do, and we should all do it, but that's not going to save you. Being good isn't enough. Wow, well, I'm a good person. I don't cause any trouble. That's what the, this rich, rich young ruler's thinking. Well, I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I don't steal. I earned all my money the right way. I haven't bared uh, false witness. I'm doing all right. Jesus asked him, first of all, keep the law. The point Jesus is setting up, it's, not, it, it's futile to save yourself by simply being good. 
You know, it's funny how the rich man thought that he was qualified by, for eternal life by his actions. I've lived a good life. I've done good. I've done well. I've been kind to people, been nice to people. Isn't that enough to get me into the kingdom of God? But then Jesus gets more personal. He starts to bring up some of the second half of the Ten Commandments, which are much more personal. They're much more about personal relationships. Things you have to do. And, and he talks about here, honor your father and your mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. The rich man thought again, hey, I'm in, man. I've kept these things. What am I still lacking? There's got to be something else. Still, the man would not admit his sin. So Jesus hits him hard and exposes the sin of his, of his heart. Jesus challenges him, come and follow me. Come and follow me. That's what you're lacking. Verse 21, Jesus said, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Because not committing murder isn't enough. Just honoring your mother and father, not enough. Simply loving your neighbor as yourself is not enough. You have to come and you have to follow me. And it's at that point the man realizes, I'm not willing to do that. I want to throw pennies in the fountain and pennies into the well and, and maybe, hopefully, this will get me in. Let's continue and finish the story here. Apparently the man was the, the man was pretty bummed out and he turned around and he left. And of course the disciples heard this and they were looking at Jesus like, wow, you really blasted that guy. I mean, God obviously had blessed him. Look at all the money he had and the, 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 the power that he had. And you're, man, you really let him have it. Well, I don't know if Jesus yelled at him, but he sure made the guy feel bad. He went away grieving. Oh. So verse 28, Peter's sitting there thinking, man, if that guy's not going to make it, what about me? How am I going to... Verse 27, and Peter said to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? We didn't have a lot of money to give up. We could never give up as much as that guy. I don't have fame. I don't have any power. I'm just a, a simple fisherman. I catch fish. That's what I do. How? Even if I left my job, how is that going to amount to anything? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake, will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And I think about that. What was it that Peter and the other disciples had that the rich young man did not have? The only thing that mattered. 
They had faith. They followed Jesus. Jesus said, come follow me. And they, okay, give it up. We're going to follow him. I'm putting my faith in you, Lord. It's not how much you give up that's important. What's important is that you follow him, that you follow Christ. Throwing pennies in the fountain is not going to save you. You cannot earn salvation. Dealing with sin in your life takes action. Becoming a Christian takes an action on your part. Many of us live loose and free with the gospel. We can't do that. We have to lay those things down and follow Christ. Sure, we're all going to sin. Sure, we all make mistakes. But many of us actively, willfully turn to a life of sin again and again and then wonder why, where's God? Where's the church? How's come, how's come these things are happening? How's come I feel lost? You have to walk in the Spirit and step out in faith. Only then can you hope to receive the, the keys to the kingdom. You know, here I am still wishing and hoping someday for this dramatic change to, in my own heart to overtake my ability to resist sin. I wish... I was blessed. I hear stories of people who say, God made me, when I accepted Christ, I became a new, new creature. And he took away all the cravings for, for, uh, for tobacco. He took away all the problems I had for, for alcohol. He took all, away all the sin I had and lust towards women. He took all that away. And here I am, Lord, why did, how's come you haven't blessed me like those guys? Call me a little bit cynical. I'll bet you they're dealing with sin too. They're dealing with the same kinds of sins and pressures that any other person would feel because until the day we get into God's kingdom, we're all going to feel the pressure like the young ruler to turn our back on Christ, to turn back to the things that, that give us comfort and hope. At least we think give us comfort and hope. If you've not given your life to Christ, I would encourage you today to make that decision to do that. To really get right with Him. Jesus isn't asking you to run off to Africa and be a missionary. He's not asking you to show up at school and be some kind of a freak. What He's asking you is to follow me. Just follow me. You can't be good enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't do it. You have to follow me. That's how you re receive eternal life. That's how you begin to get a life that's abundant, that really means something and really matters. We all sin. We all have problems from time to time. If you're that person... Have faith, have courage, have hope. Come talk to me. I'm the biggest sinner there is. I'm not a real preacher, I can say that. And trust me, when I got my class list and saw I had 210 kids, I think I sinned a little. I shouldn't have, but maybe I did. I, 
My point today is not to make anybody feel bad. I just simply want to ask you today, where is your faith? What are you putting your faith in? Because if you're trying and trying and trying to be good enough, if you're trying to go to church enough, if you're trying to do these things enough, you'll never, ever get there. Jesus gave the the rich man the answer. Come, follow me. It's the same thing he asked the disciples. Hey, come follow me. Enter into a relationship with me. Trust me when I tell you that I, I will die for your sins, that my death on that cross was for you. You take all the sins that you have in your whole life. My death, the blood that ran down that cross, it covered all that. That's the only way to be saved. Follow me. But it's interesting. Jesus changed me. Not in the way that I thought he would or hoped that he would. He didn't take away the old man, as the Bible calls it, that old sinful nature that's still there. He didn't even make my life necessarily any better. I know a lot of people, they talk about, I want to get right with God. Man, I've got to get my life in shape. Got to get, got to get good. I hate to tell you, when you become a Christian, it, it, sometimes it gets harder. Who wants that? But it's the truth. So what did Jesus give me? He gave me, he gave me his grace. The grace of God was given to me. And I have confidence, and I know in my heart that after a life of sin, after a life of struggling with pride, one day I will wake up in the kingdom because of what Christ did for me and what he can do for you. That gift is free. Take it. Don't deny it. My friends, you know I love you. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. But I want all of us to examine ourselves and to ask ourselves, Have I really given my life to Christ? Do I really follow him? Or am I simply pitching pennies into the fountain, making wishes, hoping that I'll get in the kingdom? Hopefully that's not you. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, this morning I challenge everybody, I'm challenging myself to live a life that's worthy of you, to turn and remember that it's through faith that our sins are forgiven. Many of us here are good people. None of us have killed anybody or or done anything evil or hurt anybody like that. But that's not enough. Help us to have our faith and put our faith and our knowledge in you that Jesus died for our sins. And because we believe that, our sins are forgiven. God, we love you for that. We just want to be your people, Lord. Show us what to do and keep loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.